0: After a massive recall of its Fitbit Ionic smartwatch due to hot battery issues, Google is being sued by two women because of burns caused by the Fitbit Versa 2 and the Fitbit Versa Lite. What things should we do to manage our digital footprint after we die? We probably should have a plan for all of our data, all of our accounts, and all of our financial information to make things easier for the loved ones we leave behind. No one really likes them, but ads in our media, social and traditional, work better than you might think they do. And Apple self-service repair... It's not for the faint at heart. We've got all this and more in episode 33 of the Tech John From Columbus, Ohio, I'm your host, Rob Dunwood.
1: And coming out of Philly, it's your girl, Tech Life Steph.
2: And out of Atlanta, this is Terrence Gaines, a.k.a. Brother Tech, a.k.a. New Mike Kudis. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so I just I just made a suggestion last week. Stephanie, I think you had that joint bought before we even got off the call. I mean, last
1: week. listen, why not? You know what I mean? Like I said, you, you you made the suggestion, but it had been something I was looking at already. Um, I I just felt like even with other stuff, other audio and video that I was doing, the Yeti is 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 I right. I you know, there's nothing wrong with it, but I I knew there was some better sound quality to be had, and um, especially for this, you know, I was like. Yeah, I should probably upgrade the mic. Do I really want to? Is this really the one I want? That was the thing. I was like, I don't know. I mean, I did a little bit of research, but I didn't. You know, I wasn't extensive with it. But when you said this was the one you had, then I was like, all right. Then that's the that's the sign that I needed
0: to, to go. It, it was what the the day after the show, you came with a with a video or a clip. Like, what, what? Look what I got you. Well,
1: like two days. They one? yeah, they they was FedExed it. I didn't later? know they were yeah, going to send. Was- I didn't know they were gonna FedEx it. They 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 FedEx that joined and I had it like two days later. I was like Bet Shout out to so Sure. I mean if you um, know if y'all looking for somebody to sponsor, uh the Tech <laughs> is, a, is a lovely little podcast. Yeah, I'm sure. Sure.
0: You Holla at your boy, your boy, and your girl. For Holla. real though.
1: For real.
0: Um but anyway, y'all. So uh for our listeners. Uh, we appreciate you listening to the show. And, uh, we actually, I actually get a fair amount of questions. Hey, how can we support the show? So one of the ways that you can support the show is head over to patreon.com forward slash The Tech John, that is The Tech, J-A-W-N. And we've got multiple tiers over there, but any of those tiers will get you access to the live stream. And you can come and hang out with us while we actually record The Tech John live. And there's a little bit of after party that does not hit the internet, um, does not hit your podcatcher that you can listen to where we just get into some different types of conversations. It may not be about tech, it may be about tech, you never know what you're gonna get in the after party. So once again, head over to patreon.com forward slash The Tech John, and you can sign up over there and, uh, you know, help support this show. Um, so as we get into our first uh, tech story, I've never thought about suing a company over a watch burning my arm. But my very first smartphone or smartphone, my very most uh, very first smartwatch, um, I'm trying to think of what it was. It was not a Fitbit which we're going to talk about, but it was something. And one of the reasons I stopped using it was because it just kept getting hot. It's like, (laughs) I I don't think it was burning me, but it's like, man, this thing feels like like a nine volt, but you know, like two nine volts plugged in. It's like, this thing gets hot. So I would always take it off before I would get burned. But it looks like Google, is, uh, you know, they, they definitely have had issues, uh, with, you know, let me just say Fitbit. Google bought Fitbit a little while back, but we're talking about their Fitbit devices. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, it looks like they're getting sued on some additional, uh, devices because, uh, you know, you've got two women are saying that these things are burning them or burning their daughters. And it's just like, when, when are they going to get these battery issues figured out? Because I mean, they, they can really hurt you. These things get hot and you know, it's Absolutely. darn near fire like temperatures.
1: Absolutely. So yeah, Google, uh, two women are suing Google over its Fitbit smartwatches. The firm had recently recalled all of the ionic smartwatch devices back in March. So if you own a Fitbit ionic smartwatch, those have been recalled. This is after at least 115 burn injuries were reported by those wearing it. Uh, Fitbit called back around 1.7 million iconic watches, ionic watches, excuse me, um, warning that the lithium ion battery could overheat and cause burns. This is a different watch though. The Versa Lite watch and the Versa 2 um is what is being named in this particular uh lawsuit. One of the women claims uh the Versa Light burned her daughter's wrist. Another the other woman claims the Versa two uh burned her wrist. So there are two other smartwatch uh types or 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 uh, categories in addition to the Ionic that has been recalled, the Versa 2 and the Versa Light um, that have been named in this lawsuit. So this is, you know, this is pretty serious. I can remember my first Apple watch, Um the battery, you know, how, you know, the battery swells and in the in the back of the watch pops off. Like that happened to me. and I thought I did something wrong. And I'm like, oh my God, what happened to my watch? And I took it back and they're like, yeah, that was a known battery issue. Da-da. But when it popped off that back part was sharp AF Mm -hmm. and just luckily, yeah, I didn't get cut or anything, but, but that's, that's a dangerous thing to to have happen when you have something so close to your, to your skin.
2: So I'm assuming uh, in these two particular cases where these women brought about the suit about this different watch, I'm trying to imagine how hot, the watch had to have been to have burned and or scalded the people cuz i'm just trying to imagine it's like okay well if i realize that my arm is heating up because my watch i'm like hey let me take this off is it like a gradual warm warmer warmer hot 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 scalding or is it like just cool and then scalding you know cuz it's like okay well yeah, I see they're bringing suit because it's burned in their arm. But it's like, are they Did ignoring they sit there it? With
1: it on their yeah. arm until they got burned? Well, right, you know what?
0: Right. There, there's like, you know, frog in the pot syndrome. To where, like, if you if you were to put, if you were to boil water and take a frog and throw it in there, it'll, it'll immediately will jump out. But if you put a frog in the pot. And then gradually heat the water up. It'll just boil away and never notice. It doesn't notice that it's actually getting hot. I I'm would pretty want- sure a frog would be <laughs> mad hot. <laughs> I'm just saying. Um, <laughs> no, th- this is a re- I mean, this is truly, it is a real thing. You don't notice things that are getting hot gradually. So it's until like, it's, it's not until late. it's the point to where it's actually causing you physical discomfort that you may notice it. And at that point, it's like, by the time it actually is burning you, it's actually burning you. So I don't, uh, I, I don't deny because I'm just thinking because like, I wish I could remember the name of this, you know, the cheap smartwatch that I had back in the day that, you know, the fitness tracker. Uh I want to say it was like a Mio or something like that. But uh when it, you know, it was like, man, this thing is getting hot. And, if, and it was like at that point, it's like, let me go ahead and take it off because I'm thinking I had did something wrong to it that I had banged it on something because it was just it was truly a fitness tracker. I only wore it when I was working out and playing basketball and stuff like that. So I thought that I broke it. But um the battery in that thing wasn't near what you're getting in these smart watches today. Cause it wasn't a smartwatch. It was just a fitness tracker. I mean, it was just like a led screen and that kind of stuff. Right. You know, it was just, it was like a watch. That, right. You know, but I'm saying your you heart. recognize, yeah. yo, this is getting hot. Let me yeah. take this off.
1: I will before say though got damaged. And, and I know I, I'm aware before anybody starts writing into the show, I'm aware that a laptop battery is different than a smartwatch battery. They are both lithium ion. um, But, Laptop batteries are obviously, you know, way bigger. I was having some issues with my Dell um, when I first bought it, where it was overheating, and that thing would go literally from cold to scalding. Like there was no okay. ramping up of of you know, oh, it's oh, this feels a little warm. Ooh, it's warmer. It it when that fan failed to kick on, which you know I wouldn't know when the fan's supposed to come on. But when that fan didn't kick on, that thing would be burned. And if I had it on my lap, I I have a one of those laptop you know things that go between. But I could even feel it through that, like through the laptop thing that you put on your lap to sit the computer on. So you know I I, I could see where the battery would heat up. Faster than you could get it off your arm and keep it from burning you. I could totally see that.
0: Especially if it's a kid that's wearing it too.
1: Yeah, and they don't it, you know, know if it's, if it's a kid. Like, eh. they,
0: you know, trying to trying to get it off and making things worse.
1: And then Saray uh, said she, you know, they could have had it on when they were sleeping, so you don't, you know, you might have right. been just trying to track some sleep or something. Um, it it it's a thing. I mean, you know, and or- and. And at the end Four. of the day, the same way they had to pay that lady at McDonald's, you know what I'm saying? Your stuff shouldn't be overheating like that, just on GP. <laughs>
2: no, you're right. You know, it shouldn't be burning, but
1: but, but you, also, I mean, listen, but, come but on. just take the watch So
2: you on. think these might be some opportunistic get, get sewers? Them, get your money. <laughs> bring your <laughs> Look, get get your money, but let's, come on now. People would be like, <laughs> oh, my arm's going to fall off. Really. Really.
1: I'd be curious to know the extent it didn't. I don't think it said too much about the extent of their injuries. Um, I'd be curious to know, like how, you know, if the second degree or, you know, how badly they were injured. Just just out of curiosity. Not that I don't believe them, but just out of curiosity.
0: And it, it does look legit because a lot of their evidence, they're pulling I can't believe I'm about to say this, but they're pulling a lot of their evidence from the Internet, from other people who are reporting and actually showing like, hey, yeah, I'm having this issue, too. I'm having this issue, too. And it's it's not just three, four folks. I mean, there's hundreds of folks who are saying, yeah, these particular uh, watches, we're having issues, too. So it'll be interesting to see how this suit goes. And also, is Google going to ultimately have to do maybe another recall? Um, yeah. I'm not saying that they are. Don't know that they are. Uh, you know, they they've got their metrics it will you know, they'll they'll look at to determine whether or not that's something that they need to do. But uh it, it doesn't look like it's going anywhere anytime any
1: soon. No. Yeah, and it see it seems like in 2014 they had a separate recall of Fitbit Force smartwatches over skin irritation. So they clearly know that you know there is something going on with these watches. I think that's probably what's going to help this lawsuit is this precedent that has been set with these you know prior uh issues. Um, and it's just like you know handle your business, Google, handle your business.
0: But anyway, y'all, let's uh let's go ahead and talk about uh. I don't want to say more, but it's something that we should all think about. Uh, If there's one thing that we know, Father Time is undefeated. Mm -hmm. Um, Everybody that came into this world eventually is going to exit it. So what should we be thinking about? As far as our digital footprint, what should we be thinking about, like our social media? What should we be thinking about? Maybe even like banking accounts, online accounts. What kind of conversation should we be having with ourselves and our family members for if, you know, for, you know, if when the, inve- you know, the inevitable eventually does happen, are we prepared to handle it uh, when we're no longer around to log into Facebook and log into Instagram and log into whatever accounts that we need to log into to do what we need to do?
2: Well, um, that's why I brought this up, because we should be having those conversations. This particular story just talks about what you should do for your iPhone. You know, uh, Apple has a feature to where you can add a legacy contact to where if something were to happen to me. I've added my wife as a legacy contact so she can log in as herself and download my information off of my device. Stuff that's pertinent to family stuff like pictures contacts, uh, voice memos, uh, text messages. It can't log into everything, so she can't go through my phone and get my Facebook or whatever the case may be. But this story also talks about, okay, well, your phone, check. You know, I don't know (laughs) what the people of Android need to do, but you probably need to do something similar to Android. So you cover your phone, and then maybe the next thing is uh, your social media, specifically Facebook, since there's so many people who have Facebook accounts so many people use Facebook to kind of, you know, coordinate with friends and family, let people know what's going on in their lives. So they talk about how Facebook has a uh, memorial, memorial, memorialization setting to where then if you give somebody ownership and control, then they can access your account. And at the very least, kind of let your people know, let, let their people know on Facebook, hey, something's happened, X, Y, and Z. Here are some details, right? And then they also go over like um, getting rid of search history and location data. So if you don't want that stuff to be sitting around after your family or friend or loved one passes, you know, they talk about how you can go through and kind of wipe that information so it's not just sitting vacant, dormant, or the company is actually using it for something. So they just talk about those kind of three things. But I brought it up to where, because I wanted to ask the question, I'm like, we I'm assuming that people have things covered when it comes to like a will, when it comes to like power of attorney, when it comes to health directives, things like that, you know, but that's nobody a heck ever, of an assumption.
0: Mm-hmm. That's a well, heck of an assumption. Well,
2: well, let me say this. We should, it's, we an should assumption. Yeah. it's an assumption that people know you need that to have those things in order, right? Mm-hmm. Whether you do them or not, that's a whole different thing. Right. But do people really know, okay, well, if something happens to a family member, what should I do with their digital life? You know, uh, what accounts did they have? You know, is there a place to where those passwords are saved? Are there services that are specifically set up to where you can fire these things in motion if something were to happen? Because personally, um, I was thinking about this, you know, my house, the way my house is set up, it's so catered to me to where I know where all the family pictures are and I know where all the videos go and I know where all the family photos should go, you know, and servers and, and, and routers and, uh, 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 network attached storage. But does my wife know any of this stuff, you know, do my kids know, okay, well, here's where things go. So I, I saw this story and I just wanted to bring up the question, it's like, what are some basics, if anything? that people should know to do with our digital lives if something were to happen to us.
1: No, you absolutely need a digital will the same way you need a physical will. Um, I did a sixty second tech break on this back in February, and I've I've talked about it in the past as well about you know your digital afterlife, uh, basically, and and those legacy contacts is a is a good way. Bank a lot of banks actually do that as well, in addition to Apple, and I believe Android will let you do uh designate les- a legacy contact also. Um, but banks do that. Um, your you know another good alternative is a company. What I talked about in the in the tech break was a company called Good Trust, which is a digital preservation um, company that will actually, for a fee, aggregate all of this information somewhere in one place so that somebody can have it. So all of those accounts, Amazon, Netflix, you know, what I mean, you want you want to cancel your Netflix account. You know what I mean? You don't want you're. Hard to still get charged after you gone or cancel prime or you know, whatever you have to do, you know, you you definitely want to have all that information in one place to make it easy for somebody um to go in and and deal with it. So good trust was one of the one of the many companies that will aggregate that information for you and in a type of digital will um sort of structure.
2: Uh Saray mentions in the chat, you know. Um, my wife, and we do share a password manager, so at the very least, she has access to all my accounts. Now, whether mm-hmm. or not she knows to go into settings and accounts and legacy, things like that, at the very least, she knows, she sees all the accounts and one by one, she can go in, close accounts, close accounts, close accounts, versus her having to um, appeal, for lack of a better term, or reach out to the social media company and say, hey, death certificate can we please have access and you got to wait and then there's a whole bunch of other things you need to be worried about right now Well, at that moment in time versus trying to make sure my face facebook account is closed but if you don't have any sort of information about that that can add stress because you when you leave Mm -hmm. you don't want to leave people with a whole bunch of problems right things of that nature and i can see as socially connected as we are Mm -hmm. how trying to scratch your head and figure out okay what all were they doing online and how do I get control of that? I can see that
0: adding stress. Yeah, one of the things that uh you know as you mentioned, uh password manager, I use LastPass and you can set this stuff up in LastPass. And it probably was Three, four years ago, when I really thought about it because we had, you know relooked it like our will, we relooked it, um, um, uh, life insurance and all that kind of stuff, it's like you know I probably should go and set some of this stuff up in LastPass just to make it easy you know for my wife or for my children or whomever needs to deal with it, so you can do an awful lot of it there i don 't know that i 'm recommending this, but I do know some um funeral homes offer some assistance in this as well to where like it's just we'll you know, we'll create the the tweet to put out, we'll create the Facebook account to put out. You ultimately would have to give them access to the account or you would have to add them as a friend and then allow them to post it on you know on your behalf and then you have, you know, a loved one who has access to the account. Um actually do something. But I I think that, you know, these are just things that we need to think about because as I said, Father Time is undefeated. Um, right. you know, if if you came in this world, uh, at some point you're gonna exit. Uh, you know that that you, we just know that that's going to be the case. So you just don't want to leave this for your uh for your family members. To have to try to figure it out. Um, I have a uh and Terrence, you may have actually, you know, crossed paths with this person as well. Um, you know, in the SMR podcast uh, you know, Facebook group. But it was a, you know, one of the minions over there was one of the first uh folks to really hold the show down over there at SMR. And uh he passed away two years ago. And He was someone who would, he would just like, I'll, I'll be off social media for like three months. I'll be back. So when he was gone for like three, four months, we didn't, it was really nothing that was out of character because that was something he would normally do. He would take like a, you know, just three months and just get off all social media. But then after like four months, five months, six months, it's like you know, what's going on? So you start doing, it's like, you, um, Hey man, you know, you know, you're good and you're not hearing anything back. And then finally, I think it was like seven, eight months after he had actually passed away, his mother put out as like, Hey, I finally, uh, you know, was able to work with Facebook and get uh access to his account. See? So yeah. it was like literally eight months later. So one of the things that, people probably don't even anticipate is that the fact that you know eight months is a long time but it's not that long so his mother his family you know his immediate family i think he uh you know, was engaged to be married, had a, you know, had a young son. They all had to go through that again because now you're getting literally all the people on the social media who are, Oh, wow. I'm so, you know, so it's just like a, a another right. you're thing. You're being
1: re-traumatized that the, basically. Yeah. The
0: family had to go through. So, so that made me think it's like, yeah, you really need to have this stuff, especially if you are someone who like, like the three of us, we are all over social media all where if you type any of our names in, you're going to see a picture and Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and all that stuff stuff right up under our names. So if you're someone who is in, in, like, so you, you don't have to be, you know, you know an influencer, you know, to that level. But if if you're using social media, like most of us is using social media, these are things that you need to think about Um, and for no other reason other than just making sure that you're not going to make your loved ones that you leave behind have to go through and figure out all this stuff when they are right. ultimately having, you know, one of the worst weeks, months, years of their life.
1: Because it's going to be orders of magnitude harder to get right. access to a bank account, to the get longer. access to mm-hmm. a Netflix right. account, to get access to, you know, it, I mean, I do almost everything online now, you know what I mean? Pay my, all, yeah. all the bills that I pay, all the, you know, whatever, like it all happens electronically. So the idea that, you know, I would leave that to somebody to try to figure out, you know, and have to go back to these companies, like you said, with a death certificate and explain, you know, 20 different times to somebody or or more, because um, I'm sure I have more than 20 accounts out there, but to have to explain over and over and over again, no, she passed away. No, we need the access that they have because of the, no, we, you know what I mean? That, that, that type mm-hmm. of re-traumatization, um, is, is, is almost worse than the, than the initial grieving process. So, you know, save your. Family and loved ones, you know, a lot of headache and potential trauma get you a digital will, even if it is just as simple as somebody else has access to your last pass, you mm-hmm. know what I mean, and knows mm-hmm. how to get into your last pass to get to all the other accounts. Even right. that would be right. a huge time saver and, and and convenience for people.
0: Yeah. And Terrence, when you put this in, the thing that I thought about wasn't social media, it was all of the kind of financial apps. Banks, you know, know, regular, you know, brick and mortar banks that we think of and even the online banks, they have all that stuff for you. When you sign your account up, you put all your information in. So hopefully you've done that. But I started thinking about things like Binance.us where I'm buying cryptocurrency or even Coinbase. I don't remember. Setting up beneficiaries in there. I may have. You I just did, can't yeah, remember. I
1: did do. I recently um, did that for Coinbase set up but, some But
0: I know I didn't do that for like Binance and crypto.com. Those are just accounts that I if just you have
1: a Robinhood account.
0: Exactly. So that kind of stuff, especially if you have, you know, you know, a few coins in it, you, you want that to easily be able to get to, you know, your loved ones that you're leaving behind. So yeah, at the very least get yourself a digital wallet uh store all that store all the passwords to all of that stuff in your digital wallet and then get you know get, give a level of access to that to you know your you know like I said you know whether it's gonna be your you know your your spouse uh a parent um you know a, a you know an adult child that could handle it uh you you want to make sure you get that stuff taken care of
1: yep yes indeed public service announcement
0: so just changing gears a little bit and uh this was another one that was really interesting to me. Uh, which social networks, uh, and, and, and the ads on them are best for you. You know, like we, we know that we are inundated with ads on everything, on every platform that we're on. And I like to say these ads don't work, but I'm lying if I, if if I tell you that they don't work on me because I buy stuff. I buy stuff that I've seen places. So, uh, Terrence, there was uh, you know a bit of a, a you know it was a, a survey. I think it went out to uh, you know thousand eleven hundred folks. I can't remember the exact number, but a survey went out, and it was just asking all kind of questions about how they deal with advertising, whether it be traditional or whether it be uh, you know social media type platforms. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what's going on?
2: Well, no, (laughs) because I (laughs) I I say no because I just use the um, story because I personally wanted to know, amongst the three of us, you know, do these ads on social media work? Instagram ones do. Yeah, and then which ones actually use actually spent money on? Right. So again, to to kind of do some backtracking. You know, like Rob said, you know, you're fooling yourself, you know, if you don't, if you say, oh, I don't pay attention to the ads because one, it's almost impossible based on some of the stories we're going to talk about later, how some of these uh, devices and things uh track your voice and use that to target ads at you. And everybody's had those stories to where you're having a conversation about something and then you go online, go to Facebook, go to Instagram, Twitter, whatever the case may be, and you see an ad for that very thing that you were just having a conversation about. So uh it's almost impossible to say those ads don't affect you. So moving past that, Again, this uh, story does a good job of talking about kind of like the order of trust that people have in some of these ads. For example, uh, Instagram was fifth place billboards, old school, traditional billboards, uh, which still beat out Spotify, TikTok, YouTube and podcasts. Um, Some of the talk about the the worst ads. Where are the worst ads? People hate ads on YouTube uh, naturally because yeah, it's interrupting they interrupt the content. Yeah. Right, right. They need to so, it, something else out with that.
1: That's yeah, 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 Annoying yeah. AF.
2: Um, what, so, side, side, side note, um, what some of my favorite podcasts do is they make a game of coming up with a good segue to talk about an actual ad and not the the, the the ads that actually automatically roll, but some of my favorite podcasts, they make a game of like trying to naturally integrate an ad into the conversation. So we'll be talking about ads and newspapers or whatever, and then somebody will say, oh, yeah, you know, so, um, when you're actually looking at these ads, you know, what, what things you tend to buy the most. And they'll say, oh, we we buy this. And it's like, well, if you buy shoes, you should check out, blah, 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 blah. So <laughs> I thought that was pretty cool that they actually try to integrate those to make it less of an interruption to where you actually enjoy watching the ad because you're waiting to see if you can figure out when they're trying to put an ad in. But all that to say, all the way around the world to say, I was interested to find out from you three or you two, rather. um what, what social media sites serve up the quote unquote best ads and what, what, what are those sites and some of those things that you've purchased from me? Uh, like Stephanie said, um, Instagram, I've, I, I've dropped some coins basically to Instagram, some ads that pop up in my feed. I'm like, okay, you know, I, I definitely, I definitely was looking for that or that's interesting. And you just go and buy.
1: Well, that's the thing. It's like, you know, at, I, I, at, at this point, Anybody that doesn't understand that the Internet runs on ads um, doesn't understand how the Internet runs. So if you hadn't known that before, the Internet runs on ads. The reason we can be on all of these platforms for free, free. you know, yeah. without paying a subscription or doing anything like that is because the Internet runs on ads. So knowing that, wouldn't you want ads that were for stuff you actually might want? Like, it's, it's- not, that, not that I don't think they're a- incredibly intrusive and invasive, and the privacy and yada 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 yada. However, if we know that the ads are coming and right. we're going to see an an ad, any right. ad, right. anyway, wouldn't I want to see an ad? For something that I might actually want to buy, wouldn't I want to be more likely to see an ad for something I may actually want to buy? Like, like beyond the fact that it's your data and you have a right to know where it's being used and being sold, and you know, blah blah blah. Um, why are you mad that somebody's gift showing you something you actually want? Like, I, that's that's I've always wondered that. I'm like,
0: so my gut tells me that most people are going to tell you. Well, no, ads don't work on me like that. They psychologically don't work on me.
1: Right. Meanwhile, um,
0: you, now, you're fooling yourself when you say Amazon that, but in, but in again. your head, it's like no nobody ever sold me anything. I just went and bought stuff. Um, <laughs> that's not how the world works. Uh, at all. These things are very good. So what's interesting as I'm looking through these numbers, uh, you know, in, in these charts here, the ones that people. You know, what, what are the worst ads? YouTube, TV, Facebook, Instagram. Which ones do people spend more, the most money on? Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, TV. Um, they work the, you know, Instagram they, they, these companies spend an ornaments amount of money to figure out how they can put the right message in front of the right person at the right, right time to get them to click onto something. Um, that's what they do. And they are very, very, very good at it. They use all kind of psychology in it. Mm-hmm. And if you think that you know, maybe whoever, whoever I'm talking to right now, maybe you're the one person that's special that this stuff doesn't work. You're not. On. But for the other 7.9 <laughs> billion of us, you're it, totally it, not. This stuff works. Um, which is somewhat problematic, you know, about just the levels of data that these companies have collected on you. When you think about Meta and all the things that they know about you, I remember, and this is a few years ago, but. They start sending a a young woman. Um, I think they started sending her ads about like having a child before she realized that she was pregnant. Um, I can't really like that. I pretty, it's pretty I need interesting. to go. But it was like, you know, this, the stuff that she was doing was like, they figured out that she might actually be pregnant before she knew that she was pregnant. And I'm like, yeah, they're, they're really good at what they do. So the only thing I, don't,
1: I think it is, is, is real quick. Um, I think. At some point, somebody will find a way to use this against you. Okay. Um, only because if they, if, if somebody can see your feed and see the type of things showing up in your feed, um, they might, they might use that against you and be like, Oh, are you into this? Or did you buy that? Or, you know, why would you get an ad for this if you hadn't already previously done, you know, X? So I, I, I see that as a way for somebody to, you know, more bias. I see that as a way to in, in impart more bias into anything really. Um, but beyond that, you know, like I said, I don't want to, I don't want to see no ads, but if I got to see them, I might as well see them for the stuff that I want.
2: Right. And that brings up my ultimate point. You know, it's like, I accept the ads, Right. Because the service is free. There are a lot of people out there who hate ads and they're always trying to figure out how to get around them and, oh, they make me sick and, oh, I hate them and, oh, they're the worst. But, okay, if you really, really ain't messing with them, then stop using the services that collect your data in order to serve you as. It's like we can't have it both ways. We can't, can't have it both we, ways. We can't want the services mm-hmm. to be free, and we we can't go and set up our profile and and create this online persona of ourselves. And so give we can, away
1: this much information. You don't have to give away that much information. You right. know, from but, all but the we data do it. we have on you. Exactly. Stop posting pictures. Stop interacting.
2: Right. <laughs> And we do it because we want a more personalized experience, right? Mm-hmm. Well, the trade off is that, or well, you're going to get these personalized ads too. You That's know, right. it's like right. we can't have it both ways. It's like if we're really, and, and legitimately, we should be concerned for like the reason Stephanie mentioned, you know, who knows how the data can be used against you. They claim it's anonymous data, but is it really? Is it and really? all these other things, right? So if we're really that upset, it's like we really have to decide. Whether or not we should be using these quote unquote free services, because as we know, there's a cost to that Mm -hmm. and your personal data
0: is the cost that you're paying. And and here's the thing. So so for me, where do I see the most ads for me? It is probably YouTube, actually because I watch an enormous amount of YouTube and I'm just cheap and I have not gone and paid to not have to watch the YouTube ads. It's like I'll just wait 6 seconds and, and click skip. I'm good. Mm-hmm. And every, you know, third or fourth one, okay, I got to watch the whole 15 second spot. I'm still good. Um, but you can pay to not watch those ads. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but you, you can you do can that, pay. but he, but here's the thing with with YouTube, they're still collecting all the data on you. They're just not showing you the ads that they could show you or the data that they've collected on you, right? And, and, I, and I even that's think to my us,
1: thing. I think this whole idea, this whole privacy fight around ads, specifically. Leads people to believe that they won't see ads if they fight for their privacy. I don't mm-hmm. want. I don't want to see ads. I don't want you showing me. Ads. You're still going to see ads. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. You're ne- we're never getting unless you're paying for YouTube Red or or a service that gets the ads away or paying for an ad mm-hmm. block or something. You're going to see ads regardless. And I, and I feel like the conversation makes people think that. If I protect my privacy by not letting them show me personalized ads, that'll get me out of seeing ads altogether. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's not, that's not the reality of it. The reality of it is you're going to see ads no matter what. You know, it's just a matter of whether or not it's the ad for that thing you just talked about two minutes ago that you want to buy. And then you're like, oh snap, but they listening. Yes. And, and, you know, it's just a matter of how convenient you want them to be for, for the stuff you actually do and buy. So.
0: So, you know, full disclosure, listeners uh, uh, of the tech, John, you may have noticed we have ads at the beginning, in the middle and at the end of our show. But guess what? If you become a patron at the producer level. You can get a feed that has no ads.
1: (gasps) Well, would you look at
0: that? We got an Mm -hmm. ad free feed. We
2: mm-hmm.
1: out <laughs>
2: <laughs> until <don't> <laughs> uh, until a advertiser hits us up in the email and say, "Hey, we want you to read this ad on air." And guess what we're gonna be doing? Right. Hey, no, no, no. E- of, e- uh, even then,
0: <laughs> even then. So th- this, like we, uh, we, I didn't mean to go into like the podcast technology that's out there, but even when you do host red ads, those can be injected. Into your feed, so you we could still do a feed to where we actually are doing a actual piece of content in the show for ninety seconds, two minutes, three minutes. We could actually still say this is an ad and block that out from uh from anyone in the feed, so uh if we actually get to where we All are doing the more reason to um, be a patron. Yeah, all the more reason to be a patron. If we, if we get to that point that where we're doing host red ads and stuff like that, no, we still going to make sure that our, that our people who's like, nah, we don't want them ads. Uh, unless you want them, you can get your ad free feed still and they Mm -hmm. won't be in there. Mm -hmm. But, um, I can't remember which one of y'all mentioned this, but you know, it might have been you, Terrence, that there was, uh, you know, something else in this, uh, in this story and it said that 57% of the respondents, um, to this survey believe that their phones listen to them. To create ads and it would just so happen that, uh, last week some information came out, uh, on Amazon. Some researchers have discovered that Amazon uses Alexa voice data to target you with your ads and. When I saw this last <laughs> week, I just I, I tweeted it out. It's like I did not know that Amazon was doing this, but I knew that did Amazon was know, doing this. Did
1: you not know, or did you, or were you just in denial? Oh. No, no. I'm no. Like, Does anybody not really believe that these microphones are on all the time? And I didn't have all the, the time receipts. And-
0: I didn't have the receipts. Right. Now we have the receipts. Now we're we actually are seeing re- researcher, you know, so we're coming out and saying, this is what they're doing. And it's like, huh.
1: And this is why you, I don't you, have it. You kind
0: of knew it. You kind of knew it.
1: Mm-mm.
0: But, um, so, uh, I, I do, do have Google's home, you know, uh, I, have I have a home have in the, in the box box in a Google B home and the Google home mini.
1: unconnected. So I I got echo at home in the basement in a box. So
0: just, just let me live in the bliss of, I don't know for sure (laughs) that Google is doing this this yet. They said, Amazon, I'm not using Amazon. I'm still good.
1: Google's doing it too. Come on, man. (laughs) Ignorance is not bliss. Ads are (laughs) all around us.
0: Well, so uh,
2: just to make sure to clear things up, uh, what they're doing is if you use your voice, To purchase something like uh, Alexa refill toilet paper or something of that nature, Um, the record of that purchase or song play, like you say, Alexa play, whatever the case may be, may inform relevant ads shown on Amazon or other sites where Amazon places ads. So um, uh, even still, she's still listening, right? All the time. The, the way they explain it is, they're only using the information to serve you relevant ads if you're actually interacting with the service to actually make purchases or get suggestions. Right? And
1: if you believe that, I have a <laughs> right, plan. and that's so, what, so you're going a step further here's, than that. Just here's what I hear
2: you
0: saying: they're only using the ability or the feature to the maximum amount that they can use it and not piss off their user base to the point that nobody would use their platform. Is that what you're ooh, saying? I'm, ooh,
1: and the I'm point that, that, that they further. are not lying in their privacy policy. Yeah.
2: Right. I'll take it a step further. Just assume that they're listening to
1: all your
0: conversations.
1: Just assume they listen.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was I was having a conversation with someone and he's like, so so we just assume that everybody's listening all the time? I'm like, yeah. if if if, yeah. if you act if that's how you actually treat <laughs> these social media platforms and and you and you go into it assuming that it's not going to be worse than if you didn't assume that so mm-hmm, i'm, I'm mm-hmm. like you know it may not be the case but how does that actually hurt you by assuming the worst uh, even though the worst may not actually be what it is So, but I just, like I said, we we weren't going to talk too much about the, uh, the Amazon thing, but I just thought that was really interesting. It's like, no sooner than we get this one article and people are saying, yeah, we think this, you know, 57% people think this. And it's like, oh yeah, here's some research. The things you thought are actually, You're you're absolutely right on them.
1: Shout out to Rockwell and Michael Jackson.
0: All right, y'all. So we're getting into our, our, our final story here. And, and this is a big one. Um, I know this has been, you know, I, I'm not an Apple user, uh, you know, um, like an iPhone user. I've, I've had iPads in the past. Uh, I've had Macs in the past, but, uh, Apple has been the holdout, I think, when it comes to fixing your own stuff, mm. but they finally have, you know, succumbed to the pressure, if you want to say that. And they're, putting out, uh, you know, hardware to help you fix your devices. They're putting, out. I think they have, is it over 200 individual, um, pieces that you could purchase to, uh, ultimately fix a device. But is it really all that we thought it was going to be? Because from what I'm looking at, it's like, so I can pay X to have Apple fix it, or I could pay X to fix it myself. It's like, where's the benefit? In this, and then the, the other part of this that I wanted, you know, to talk about are the actual service people, like the folks who actually have set up the cell repair, the cell medic type places. Right. How can they really make any money? Because it's like, how can they make money if the parts that they, if they're buying official parts and those parts cost the same as actually just taking it to the Apple store and getting your joint fixed there?
2: Well, see, that's the difference. They're not buying um, legit Apple parts. Your middle of the mall cellular repair places, even your chain uh, cellular replace stores, they are buying parts from China, probably from mm-hmm. the same places that Apple gets the parts to actually put their phones together. These mm-hmm. uh, companies are buying them directly from China at a cheaper rate. And then marking it up to make their business profitable. What Apple has decided to do. Well, let me, let me back up a step further. Um, Apple wasn't necessarily a holdout, but Apple definitely made it hard, if not damn near impossible to fix a device on your own without either A, going to Apple or B, taking it to somebody to where They've had the time invested. Authorized service providers, and not even authorized service authorized. providers. just just some dude, dude who knows how to fix phones, right? There's mm-hmm. there's there, there's like a eye cracked. I don't know if they're still in business now, but their whole model was they would train individuals like myself, and then if somebody like you two would say, "Hey, I need my phone fixed," based on your location, it would give me the message. I would reach out to you and I'd say, "Hey, my name is Terrence with Eye Cracked. I see you have a, a whatever, whatever, whatever." We set up the time and based on their training of me and and me buying the parts from the company, then I fix your phone, right? They ain't authorized, but they've put in the time and the effort, air quotes, to train their users and to buy these parts, right? So all the way around the world to say Apple with their devices were not making it easy for a user to get a part directly from Apple. And B, have the repair manuals or Apple provide the resources necessary for me, average Joe person to fix my own phone without going through Apple or without going through an authorized user or just trusting it with anybody, right? So Apple's kind of like, all right, sure, right to repair. Okay, you've bought the the product. You feel like you should have the right to do whatever you want to do with it after you purchase it. Okay. All right. Fine, 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 fine. (laughs) Let's provide the, the, the part, the hardware directly from us. And let's make sure that is an authorized part because with the way this new, new program works is like a screen. Like if you crack your screen, you have to provide Apple with your IMEI number, which is a specific device hardware identifier, Mm -hmm. and they will match the part to your IMEI so you can't just me as a regular person say oh all right I see the hustle let me call Apple and let me get 20 iPhone 13 screens no I need to provide my IMEI to Apple they give me this the screen specifically for that device and in addition to that they're going to give you all of the manuals the repairs the resources whatever the case may be though not the problem the challenge with that is like Rob mentioned is Fixing a iPhone is complicated at the least. I mean, and and almost not impossible, but it's very, very hard to repair a phone on your own. I used to fix phones. I got out the game because as every new phone came out, they made it that much harder to repair. And not not just off of the strength of we're just going to make it hard. We want the phones to be smaller. We want the phones right. to be more
1: complicated. Now the touch ID Sensors and, and, and more and waterproof, and, and dust know, resistant
2: yeah. and scratch resistant and all these things that we want in the phone. Apple was like, all right, in order for us to do that, we have to have this special process that only we know how to do in order to make this phone what you want it. So there's a trade off. And all that to say, all the way around the world to say, yes, I can go to Apple, order a part, get a manual and sit on my desk and take my phone apart into a hundred pieces. What
1: was their issue with letting people do that before and just not and just voiding the warranty? Like, why wouldn't you just let them do it? And they're like, all right, you can do it, but you don't have a warranty anymore.
2: You could make the argument that Apple, you 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 change the type of experience you get with a device if you, quote unquote, open it up yourself versus letting the Apple do it. Like, for instance, perfect example. Um, if you take a phone apart, now they're all waterproof, not waterproof. They're all water resistant. Well, in order to make them water resistant, there's this special seal mm-hmm. that goes around the screen. Right. Me opening up the phone you got to heat up, you got to heat up the screen to make sure you soften the little adhesive and then peel it off. Right. I may or may not forget to put that seal back together. And if I don't put it back together the same way Apple put it back together, Apple can't guarantee that that phone, after you took it apart, put it back together is now IP 67 dust, waterproof resistance. So then if I do that and then I actually accidentally dive in the pool and now my, wa- my phone is fried I take it to Apple, and Apple's like, oh, well, we know that the screen, the IMEI number doesn't match, so that means somebody else did it. We can't guarantee this device because you let somebody else other than us touch it.
1: But that's what I'm saying. That's what they could have been doing all along. Like... Instead of being so, you know, Great resistant team. about it, yeah, well, they because Apple fought. Apple did fight this. I mean, they they were the most visible and vocal. um I think company saying, "Nah, you can't." And I and I get it. It's the Apple experience. Well, you no, want you know, maintain Apple's, whatever.
0: Apple is a company, and Apple is saying, "Why would we let somebody else make that money when we can make that money?"
1: Right. If we're gonna,
0: true? if we can get, if we can get away with forcing people to come to us, that's what people are going to do. And if you think about it. All these iPhone places you can go get your phone fixed. Like the, you could just, you could still do what we're talking about. You just had no more warranty from Apple. Um, you know that that was going to be completely voided. Uh, whereas you could take it to the uh the Apple store and have them fix it, and then you still might have somewhat of a warranty. I know that there was even some issues if you take it to the Apple store, you may not be water resistant any longer. But uh, you know, but but at least you were taking it to Apple and you still had the warranty on your phone. So if you crack your phone I, I i i kid you not my oldest daughter um got a brand new iphone and she wears these long duster type uh sweaters mm-hmm. and had the iphone in a pocket which is down around her you know between and her pockets knee and her shin
1: horrible on dusters i know exactly yeah. what you're talking about and, <laughs> and the she pockets got are not the, secure got this is in the a car. what
2: now a what wait a minute a go sp- back it's a, it's, what it's a what is this thing? It's a it's a, it's a, a duster. Sweater.
1: It's just a long sweater, like an ankle length sweater, but the pockets are typically very loose and right. and will not keep anything secure, uh, well, especially a phone. Not
0: well, I but ain't anyway, in the like, like, fashion just, game, so I don't. <laughs> know. But no, she <laughs> just <laughs> brand new iPhone.
1: Boom. And I've always said,
0: do not walk out the store without a case. Putting it
1: in a sweater, a a pocket of a duster? Yes, had
0: it in the pocket of the duster, got in the car, Mm -mm. and in slow motion, just sees that thing tumble out of the pocket. I'm not sure Uh, why. And she was getting into it. I have a truck. Is that her
1: first duster? Because clearly, she was not (laughs) aware of dusters and their lack of pocket (laughs) protection. you tore
0: your phone up? You haven't even had the 72 hours yet. But anyway, So for her- well, she took it back to the Apple store because it's like it's going to cost more to go to the Apple store. But because the phone was literally a brand new phone, she still wanted to have all the warranty and everything that she could get by going to the Apple store. Now, if that phone would have been two years old. Uh, she might have just went to the, you know, to the, you know, the place next to the Apple store and, or the kiosk in the mall outside of the Apple store and got it fixed there. Because at that point, I don't really care about the warranty anymore. I'm just trying to, you know, hang on until I get me a, a, a new joint. But for, in her case, it was like, there was no new phone. She had the brand new. I want to say it was like the iPhone 11 or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, when she did this one, like, cause it's a few years ago, but so I understand that. For some folks, I want to have the, the Apple warranty and Apple has always been like, well, if we can make that money, why are we going to let anybody else make that money? And I think now it's like, okay, we've got, we've got the pressure. We need to, you know, open this up. We're going to allow everyone to do it. But Terrence, as you're saying, number one, um, every iteration of an iPhone, they get more and more difficult to repair. So Man, this I got not out an the easy game. And, and I used to make two, some money. I used yeah. to make
2: money on the side fixing phones and yeah. it just got too complicated. It's like, yeah. do I really want to sit here for like an hour?
0: and take this phone apart.
1: And just to take it apart, then figure out. Just to take out, it well, apart. Then and, put it back together. Because you right, were actually
0: right. going to the people and fixing it right where they were, right?
2: Right. I would meet them in so, like,
0: um, I would meet them like
2: Starbucks, you know, places like that. And then sitting there, not only am I sitting there trying to take, Take this phone apart. Somebody sent it off my shoulder. Right. Right. Looking at, you know, like, extra you pressure. So, right so I can only right. imagine it's <laughs> like,
0: and it just got to the point to where i was like, man, I can't really be mobile with this unless I got a truck. And because my, my, um, my uh, younger brother, uh, he actually was thinking about buying like one of those Mercedes panel trucks and he was going to set just one chair in it where he was going to set everything up where he could go around and fixing these phones. And it was the same thing you were saying, Terrence is like, it just got to the point to where they got so difficult to repair. That it just, he didn't know that it was worth it because it's like, how right. much time am I going to, sp- because the thing is you can only, sp- you know, you can only spend so much time on it because right. time is your money. And it's like, if I cost the same as what an Apple store repair costs. Then I, I can't make store. any money. It's like, you know, I, you know, I can't do that. People are just going to go to the Apple store, even if he's close to that price. It's like, you know, it's going to cost, you know, you, I'll do it for 150, but you can get it done for 160 at the Apple store. That's most people still want to go to the Apple store. So right. I get it, it, that, uh, and with every
2: iteration, like I said, back the iPhone sixes. Oh, easy. I can do that in 20 minutes, but then they started adding waterproof and then they did the mm-hmm. touch ID to. They, um, you couldn't just get any old home button with the touch ID. Mm-hmm. You, had to, you had to keep the original one, and you had to transplant the home button to the new screen. Right. And then they got smaller, and then they got integrated to where, in order to take the screen off, you had to take the the speakers out, and you had to take the cameras off, mm-hmm. you had to take the volume buttons out, and, you had to, and I was like, you know what? Forget it. Forget yeah,
1: it. Yeah, There's a lot. So, the, for, the thing I that have, got me about this whole thing was the forty nine dollar a week tool rental that they were also in what you know, they was open. like hey see
2: and that's I mean, the thing it After it's like, makes
1: sense but it's like 49 I gotta pay money. $50 for the tool right. and it's a 79 pound <laughs> kit that they now they do say free shipping to you. I don't know if it's free shipping to send it back.
2: Well because the the, way, the reason why is because you have to heat up the phones to soften the adhesive which makes them waterproof, and in order to do that and still that keep 79 some pounds
1: worth of tools,
2: there's like a it's like a compression thing, and <laughs> all that to say, repair at your own risk. Right, you, add, you, you be careful what you wish for; you just might get it right. So that's
1: what I'm like. I I would never, and, and, as much as I like pick, putting stuff together, and I would never try now to. Now I will it say, my phone apart and fix um, it. Myself.
2: I will say it felt pretty damn good when I was able to, you know, just starting out, you know, I I had bought like a little iPhone five. I spent like a 60, 70 bucks screen didn't work. Nothing really worked, but I took it apart, put it back together, took it apart, put that back together. Now I actually went out and did it. You get a special sense of accomplishment Mm -hmm. when you do something yourself, especially something challenging, right? So that in and of itself, is I guess could be um emphasis for somebody to actually fix something themselves. You know, I bought it; it's mine. Something's wrong with it. I actually went through the effort to actually fix it. There's a there's a little cachet that goes along with. And that, I'd have you know. to think
1: that's kind of all you get out of this because by the time yeah, you buy the absolutely. Apple authorized parts, mm-hmm. by the time you rent the, rental, the forty dollar yeah. forty nine dollar seventy nine pound toolkit and get all that stuff back, you've probably paid, you know, maybe $10, $20 less than you would have paid taking it to the Apple store anyway. So this really is just Mm -hmm. literally just a sense of accomplishment, right? (laughs) You just want a sense of accomplishment of doing it yourself,
0: right? I, uh, I have a, uh, my, my daughter's old iPhone 10 and she cracked the screen on it and I'm like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to try to repair the screen on this. And this is iPhone 10. So we're not even talking about the thirteen. This is a 10 and I watched a video and I'm like, yeah, I got to buy parts to do all that.
1: Let me find, i fix it. So
0: I just went and got me a, one of those uh, hard screen protectors and put it over top of it. And just going to keep it pushing because like, I'm not using the phone as my phone It's literally as a camera sitting right here that, yeah. I, that and those, I can use as a vertical cam.
2: Those but screws like, are so tiny and yeah. no type of, you ain't felt pressure. <laughs> Until you try to take one of those tiny screws off and you drop it in the carpet.
0: Well so, oh, no, yeah. so <laughs> I'm Forget thinking well no Forget here's what my thought was, because I've repaired the screen on an old, this is like a Samsung Galaxy S3, so we're going way back. I I replaced the screen on one of these. And I didn't have to buy any special tools. I just pulled out my old computer repair kit. Like I had a real nice, cause I used to build PCs and stuff like that. So I had the, the micro screwdrivers and everything. And I'm looking at, oh, well, I don't, I don't got one of them. I was like, oh wait, the screwdriver is $42. Right. <laughs> Did I need to be able to get this out? I was like, oh, I need to get like a heat gun to do this. And it's like, all this stuff. And I'm like, nah, let me just put um, a little screen protector over joy. this little crack and I'm going to keep pushing and I will use it into like, you know, I, I don't want to get to the point where I am like scratching my fingers up and stuff like that because the screen is cracked. But Apple, uh,
1: I will see y'all at the Apple yeah. store and mm-hmm. I need my John fixed. Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. You ain't got to worry about me. I'll be there.
0: So, <laughs> so y'all we are uh, to the, you know, to the, the, the latter part of our show and as we i don't i can't say always because we don't always have a spotlight but as we usually do we usually have a spotlight and we got a good one today because this one was all about the google uh what do they call that google thing the google the google doodle. The google, 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 google um so google, uh so, doodle. the google
1: the google doodle. doodle yes
0: so stephanie why don't you tell us about elijah
1: mccoy Elijah McCoy. I picked it uh, not only because it was the Google doodle it's because today is Elijah McCoy's birthday, May 2nd. Although the name Elijah McCoy may be unknown to most people, the enormity of his ingenuity and the quality of his, his inventions have created a level of distinction which bears his name. Elijah McCoy was born in Colchester, Ontario, Canada, on May 2nd, 1844. His parents were George and Amelia McCoy, former slaves from Kentucky who escaped through the Underground Railroad. George joined the Canadian Army fighting in the rebel war and then raised his family as free Canadian citizens on a 160 acre homestead. At an early age, Elijah showed a mechanical interest, often taking items apart and putting them back together again. Recognizing his keen abilities, George and Amelia saved enough money to send Elijah to edit. Scotland, where he could study mechanical engineering. After finishing his studies as a master mechanic and engineer, he returned to the United States, which had just seen the end of the Civil War and the emergence of the Emancipation Proclamation. Elijah moved to Ypsilanti, Michigan, but was unable to find work as an engineer. He was thus forced to take on a position as a fireman, oil man on the Michigan Central Railroad. As a fireman, McCoy was responsible for shoveling coal onto fires, which would help to produce steam that powered the locomotive. As an oilman, Elijah was responsible for ensuring that the train was well lubricated. After a few miles, the train would be forced to stop and he would have to walk alongside the train, applying oil to the axles and Bearings, In an effort to improve efficiency and eliminate the frequent stopping necessary for lubrication of the train, McCoy set out to create a method of automating the task. In 1872, he developed a lubricating cup that could automatically drip oil when and where needed. He received a patent for the device later that year. The lubricating cup met with enormous success and orders for it came in from railroad companies all over the country. Other inventors attempted to sell their own versions of the device, but most companies wanted the authentic device, requesting the real McCoy. Uh, McCoy remained interested in continuing to perfect his invention and to create more. He thus sold some percentages of rights to his patent to finance building a workshop. He made continued improvements to the lubricating cup. The patent application described it as a device which provides for the continuous flow of oil on the gears and other moving parts of a machine in order to keep it lubricated properly. In 1916, McCoy created the graphite lubricator, which allowed new superheater trains and devices to be oiled. In 1920, Elijah established the Elijah McCoy Manufacturing Company. With his new company, he improved and sold the graphite lubricator as well as other inventions which came to him out of necessity. He developed and patented a portable ironing board after his wife expressed a need for an easier way of ironing clothes. When he desired an easier and faster way of watering his lawn, he created and patented the lawn sprinkler. McCoy left behind a legacy of successful inventions, which would benefit mankind for another century, and his name would come to symbolize quality workmanship. The real McCoy. Is that where that came from? That's what that's where that that's what what from. I came from. I I, I did I a
0: report from. on this. I I want to say I was in the seventh grade or maybe eighth grade for during Black History Month. Mm-hmm. Way, 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 way back in the day, because my grandfather, he used to always say that. It's like, no, give me the real McCoy. It was like I just, I didn't know what that meant, other than mm-hmm. he wanted the, he didn't want the knockoff. He wanted the real John. Right. So, um, you know, so like, I was thinking, well, what I gotta write this report on? And he actually knew that that's where it came from. And he said, yeah, you should, you should go do a report on on Elijah McCoy. He's like, you know, he's a black inventor. Um, I bet you ain't talking about that in your class. Mm-hmm. And they weren't <laughs> they, they were not talking about that in the class. So I had to actually go to the not the school library. I had to go to the the city library to go get the information, um, you know, on this. But yeah, that's where that came from. The real McCoy. Like, I will never I forget. I think I, I'm like pretty sure I was in the seventh grade when that happened.
1: Listen, and I bet if you ask, you know, 20 Americans 19 would have no idea or maybe even 20 would have no it, idea it might be that, 20. that that people, came from a black man
0: if you're over 30 you've probably heard it and you kind of know where. y'all want the room cool. it's like you know you want the real joint uh, right. you know th- th- that's right. what people kind of know you just would never know where it came from it's like, oh no, that was that was a bra. So mm-hmm. yeah, like I so said, I'm just happy that I, like when I saw that, uh, when I saw that doula today, it's like, oh, I know what we're going to be talking about today. <laughs> and before I could even go say how I got it, you already had it.
1: Oh, so. sad. Yeah.
0: So she y'all, we're at the end of the before. show, and the last thing we do before we get out of here is we. Give recognition to our patrons, to the ones who are holding it down, uh, you know, for the Tech John and letting us do what we do. So, this week we do have a new patron. His name is James Thompson. And uh, so, we want to give James a shout out. Thank you for supporting the show. And for anyone else who's listening, if you'd like to support the Tech John, just head over to patreon.com forward slash the tech, J A W N, the Tech John. And we've got multiple tiers over there, and any one of them helps us immensely. And we really appreciate you. So once again, this week, James Thompson is uh, our patron of the week.
1: Shout out to James. So
0: Tech Life Steph, tell the folks how they can get to
1: you. You can follow me all around the web at Tech Life Steph or check out my website at TillDeathDetweet.com and new website loading soon. Mm-hmm. Dot, dot, mm-hmm. dot, 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 <laughs> dot, 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 dot.
2: All right. uh, You can find me everywhere on the Internet at Brother Tech. That's B-R-O-T-H-A-T-E-C-H. In addition to this show, you can find me, me and my co-host, Nika Monford. Every Friday is when the show goes up where we talk all things Apple and then some at SnobOSCast.com.
0: And I am at Rob Dunwood on all the things. And also we are at The Tech John on all the things. And I just have one request. If you are down with the show and you like the show, you probably know somebody who would like it as well. So just mm-hmm. share the show. I'll tell somebody about the tech, John. And, uh, you know, tell them to come listen. That's, that's one of the best things you can do for us until we meet again in a week's time. Peace. Peace.
1: Peace. Tell a friend.